Well, good morning. I want to welcome those who are joining us online today and want to welcome those of you in the room as well, too. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Before the message today, I want to add a couple of things. One is I want to express my gratitude as well uh, for what a generous church you are and your giving to our youth auction. Uh, Brian, our treasurer, uh, sent me something this week that said over the last eight years, you guys have averaged over $30,000 of giving to our youth. That's nearly a quarter of a million dollars that you have all given in eight years to support our young people and uh, their mission trips, uh, their callings in their life that God is using. So I just want to add my thanks for being a generous church, not just this, this, this last uh, week, but these last years that you've been such a generous church. And also for the, your love for, towards the Cottonwood uh, fires, uh, we just, there's so many different people and different things in our community that are trying to partner and help in different things. And, and so our, our uh, way that we're going to help is we know of three families that um, did not have insurance on their home. Um, sometimes you wonder why they won't have insurance, but sometimes one of those situations was they had a firewood burning stove and the insurance company would not insure it. And so you just never know what the reasons are, but um, we can't replace the homes. I mean, we know we can't do that, uh, but if you think about it, if you have no insurance, that just doesn't mean you don't replace your home. I mean, things that are normal everyday things like hair dryers or curling irons or just, you know, your everyday toiletries, all those things, uh, there's so much need there. And so we have three families that are in that situation. And so uh, already, so many of you have given already. So whether it's gift cards or in cash, um, over the next few weeks. Um, first of all, we hope to deliver some checks and, and gift cards tomorrow. But if it comes in over the next, we'll, we'll make another delivery. But we have three families uh, that we're going to help. We know there's 34, 35 uh, families that were um, impacted by this. Many more than that, but those who lost their homes. So thank you in advance for uh, your generosity towards them. And then finally, we do have an all-church uh, membership meeting tonight um, at 6.30, and that is to talk about um, a, a loan that we uh, need to uh, consider in order to do some repairs on our children's and some other, a few other things. Uh, we don't have time to do that in our services. Our, our services Sunday morning are for worship. It's for praise. It's to bring the, bring the word of the Lord. And so uh, tonight, uh, you don't have to be a member to come, uh, but you do have to be a 15-year-old or 15 years or older and a member of this church to vote. And so, but even if this is your first time, you're just interested, you want to hear about it, feel free to join us tonight at 630. We'll share all the details of what's going on, and then we'll leave plenty of time open for questions. And that way, everyone has their questions answered as well. So that's what we have looked to look forward to tonight. I am so glad it's uh, 2022. I was looking at my journal today. Um, I keep a five-year journal. It's just a, a quick little four or five sentences of what was going on and uh, what I was thankful for or what I was asking God for help with or whatever. And uh, two years ago on this day, it was uh, things have changed again. We're going to online in two days. And so what a crazy time it's been. So glad to be with everyone um, in person, but it's just hard to imagine how time has, has flown. And uh, we were all just doing our best we're still all just doing our best. And so uh, I'm so glad it's today and uh, it's 2022. I know there's still crazy things going on in this world. I know there's the war in Ukraine. I know there's cottonwood fires. I know there's many other things in our world taking place, but we have a big God that we can trust and we know who's on the throne. And so our faith and our trust is in him, as was Mark, who is where we've been studying the gospel of Mark. If you're new with us today or this is your first time, we're in a series called Mark Matters. 
It's, it's a study of the book of the Gospel of Mark, who I think is the most underappreciated, undervalued of the four Gospels. I just feel like Matthew and Luke get all the attention and John gets the most attention. Uh, and Mark is kind of sandwiched in between there. And uh, I'm excited again to share with you a little bit of from Mark. Uh, today we're going to be going in Mark chapter 4 if you want to get ahead of me and get started there. We're going to be going there in just a minute. You know that I love sports. Um, yeah, that's You know those things. What you may not know is that I loved as a kid going to my grandparents' farm. Both of my grandparents were farmers. One in, in, uh, in uh, western Nebraska, Scott's Bluff area, Mitchell. And one in southeast Kansas, Kansas, Cherryville, or the Independence area. And I loved, uh, I lived in Colorado's, uh, you know, up until about sixth grade. And I remember taking that trip a couple times a year at Christmas. But also when I really loved it was in the summer when I'd go visit uh, uh, Papa and Mimi at, at their farm. I love going to the farm. And I loved getting on his tractor. I loved riding in uh, he, a lot of wheat that he did. I loved getting in the wheat truck with him. I, I loved spraying water on the cows that when they came up close. I mean, I just loved everything about the farm. But just because I loved everything about the farm didn't make me a farmer. I, I wasn't a farmer. To be a farmer, you had to do what my grandparents did. You had to... Uh, take time. You had to cultivate the land. There was a lot of hard work, and you didn't just produce a crop. Uh, it, it took time. It took it took uh, sweat and blood and tears, probably at times, a lot of prayer. But it took a lot of time, and it took a lot of cultivating. And the same is true in our in our walk with the Lord. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, no one can boast. We're saved by His grace through faith. But discipleship and following Jesus. It takes time, and it takes cultivating, and it all doesn't happen at once. And today I want to invite us to hear the words of Mark, who first invites us to listen to three stories in chapter 4 of seed being planted, of farming stories, of, of, and, and there's principles that uh, Jesus wants to teach us through this. But I want to just uh, first focus on a few things that Mark focused on, and that's this word, listen. If... Uh, if I was in my wife's second grade class, sometimes I've walked in on her classroom and sometimes you'll hear her say, class, class, and you'll hear them say, yes, yes, class, class, yes, yes, and it means something's getting ready to happen. I need your attention. Would you focus just for a minute? And in Mark chapter four, you're gonna see that Mark three times is like class, class, and our response is, is it going to be yes, yes? Are we going to be willing to, to listen? In fact, Mark chapter 4, verse 3, uh, uh, Jesus says this. He says, listen. In, in verse 9 and verse 23, he says the same thing. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone has, has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is calling out, class, class. Are we listening? Are you listening to those who will hear today? And I'm telling you, if we'll listen to God today, I believe he has something important to say to each of us. If you're following along in your notes today, right out of the gate, this is my encouragement to you today that your first move or my first move should be to say yes. My first move should be to say yes. Not because I'm speaking, not because of the words that I say, but because of the words that Jesus says. 
All the words today that you will hear, every single one comes from Jesus' mouth. There are his recorded words. And he invites us to, to look at three more things. He says three different times he talks about uh, revealing uh, the kingdom. He, sa- he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything has been said in parables. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then a third time he says, and again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use or what story shall I use to describe it to you? There was something really important to Jesus and important for Mark to tell us three times. Jesus wants us to know what his kingdom is like. And so our second move today should be this, if you're following along on our notes, my second move should be is to seek and find out what the kingdom of God is like. My second move should be to seek and find out what the kingdom of God is like so I can live out that life in his kingdom. That we can live out that life together of what that looks like. If you will seek first the kingdom of God as the gospel of Matthew talks about in Jesus' words. If we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will take care of themselves. If we'll seek first the kingdom of God, there's a lot of things vying for our attentions. There's a lot of things, good things, not all bad things, a lot of good things. But if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. I want to pray this morning that, our, that we'll hear the Lord this morning and that our answer will be yes. If you'll just join me. Heavenly Father, thank you for these few short moments that we have together. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and I pray that you would help us, Lord, to respond in obedience. Help the the cry of our heart to be yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus reveals here his kingdom through these parables. Uh, Often Jesus told parables and often he told stories. Now, not everyone listens. Three times Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear or, or listen. We know that if you're a teacher here this morning or you ever taught uh, students, you know that one of the most frustrating things is when they don't listen, when they don't hear you. You're, you, you plan the lesson, you put your best foot forward, but when the students don't listen, it's frustrating. But Jesus knows this is a part of it, but he says to us, he encourages those of us who would hear. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah, and we see in Mark chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we see that he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Well, what does that mean? When we first look at that, at first, at first glance, we kind of think, well, is Jesus not want everyone to hear the good news? Does Jesus not everyone want everyone to understand? Does Jesus not want everyone to be forgiven? We know that scripture tells us in other places that Jesus said that he's not willing that any should perish. Uh, and the scripture in John says that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Uh, we know that, in he, I believe it's Ezekiel, that, that uh, the prophet says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's wanting all to come to him. So what does this mean? What it means is there's these Pharisees, and that's who Jesus is talking to, Pharisees and those like them, who had such hard hearts 
that they didn't have the ability to listen. They had already made their decision. It's not that Jesus didn't want them to hear, but their hearts were hardened to listen. Their hearts were not receiving what God had to say, what Jesus would want to say to them. It's kind of like this. If uh, you asked a girl out over and over and over, um, or maybe, maybe you did this when asking someone to marry, you asked him over and over and over, and they said no, and they said no, and they said no, and they said no. At some point, you stop asking because the answer's no. Their heart is closed. They're, they're, they're not interested. They don't want to accept your invitation. And the same is what Jesus is saying here. Those who have ears, let them hear. But there are those that they've already made up their mind. They've decided they're not going to listen. But to those who believe the gospel... Like we talked about in our first week in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. That the message of the kingdom of God is this. Repent and believe. To those of us who will repent and believe. God speaks and has a relationship with us. And he wants us to, he wants us to grow in that relationship with him. And I think uh, uh, this last week, I think it was uh, one of the uh, guys in our church, Jeff Wells, sent me a, kind of a cool little rap. It was really focused on marriage and what it is to live uh, successfully in marriage. But I think the same thing could be applied to our relationship with, with God. But there was this quote at the very end that said this, No one falls out of love, they fall out of repentance. No one falls out of love. They fall out of repentance. When we fall out of a, of a, of a heart that is repentant, uh, that is staying tender before the Lord and asking God to, to, to change us and be, help us to be more like him, no one falls out of love. They fall out of repentance. The key that unlocks the door to God is repentance. So to those listening, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a seed. And he tells about this seed in three different ways. It's the parable of three seeds told that tells four different principles. And it's really about teaching us how to cultivate our soul. And so in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, is the first parable that Jesus tells. Uh, this, several of these parables we've heard before. But I encourage us, once again, Lord, speak to us. Our answer is yes. I'm listening. I'm, help, me to, help me to hear what you want to say to me today. Listen, a farmer, Jesus said, went out to sow his seed. And he was just scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Sounds like my yard. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came and it grew up uh, to produce a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. This parable is about two things this morning. This first parable that Jesus tells us, it's about them and it's about us. Who's them? Them are those who don't believe yet. Those who have not accepted Christ as their Savior. Those who have not listened. There's, there's, there's the them in this parable, but there's an also there's an us in this parable. There's a dual message that is being shared here today. And I'm going to go on to verse, 20, uh, verse 13 to share about a little bit of that dual message. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? 
How then will you understand this parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed among the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes in, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There's two parts about this parable. One, application for them, uh, an application for us. First, the application for, for those, for others. The first one is this. And if you're following along your notes, is this, sow lots of seed because you never know where the seed's going to grow. We're called to sow lots of seed because we never know where the growth is going to take place. We don't know if it's going to be hard soil. We don't know if it's going to be soft soil. We don't know if it's going to be rocky soil. So our, our call on us is to sow seeds wherever we can because some people have hard hearts. Some people... Uh, they, it's an unequivocal, unequivocal bull. I should be careful saying those words on daylight savings that are too long with five, six syllables. Uh, the the answer is no. They're, they're not going to say yes. It's no. And we all know people that were frustrated and we wish it was different, but their answer is no. And they're not going to say yes, at least not now. Now, we don't stop praying because a heart can be made soft by God, but some people's hearts are hard. Others respond quickly with enthusiasm, but then they fall fast when things get hard, when things get difficult. I think of my football days, and I think of triple or whatever we called them, triple days, what do we call them? Um, what were they called? Uh, two days, three days, that's what it was, three days. It is daylight savings. Three days, two days. I remember uh, when we started the season in, in college, we'd already start with 120 to 130 players but by the first week of the season, we were down to about 100. And by the end of the season, we were down between 80 and 90. Because the season gets hard. And when you lose 35 games in four years, it gets really hard. And so there was a lot, there's a lot of people that quit. And they, and they gave up. Because things got difficult. And we start off because everyone starts off the season excited and getting ready. I mean, this is my favorite time of the year in football. Did you see what the Broncos did this week? Okay, squirrel. Other, others responded but are distracted by the worries of life, deceived by the pursuit of wealth and worldly ambition. So sow lots of seed because we never know where the seed's going to land. Now, the second application is for us. What kind of soil are we going to be? Because we're not just automatically a good soil. So the second part of this is cultivate the soil of your soul for your own growth and fruitfulness. Cultivate the soil of your soul for your own growth and fruitfulness. This is how we apply this to our, this principle to our life. The first is this. The first is this. Cultivate a soft and tender heart. Cultivate a soft and tender heart because it's a lot easier to get a hard heart. It's a lot easier to become resentful. It's a lot easier to become jealous. It's a lot easier to, to get a hard heart of bitterness. 
it, it, there's, uh, it can be easier to become, to get a hard heart of being cynical. There's just, it's way easier to, to develop a hard heart, but it takes work, it takes cultivating, it takes time to, to cultivate a soft and tender heart. The psalmist says this way, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the wellspring of life. Out of it flow everything that we do. What, what's in the heart is, what is what's going to come out of it. And if our heart is developing a hard, uh, bitter, critical spirit, um, if it's developing a cynical spirit, if we're not staying tender, if we're not keeping our heart tender before the Lord, if we're not cultivating a soft and tender heart, we're going to stunt our growth. And our fruitfulness. The other, the next thing is cultivating deep roots through a determined devotion to God's word. This takes time. It takes effort. It's not easy. It takes effort to cultivate a, a determined devotion to God's word. Uh, the psalmist also said, "I have hidden in your, your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That I may not sin against you, God." These are developing deep roots. It's easy to have shallow roots. It takes effort to, to have deep roots. Last year, I watched my neighbor, who now, I love it, they come to church, they sit on the front row, second service. I watched him last year. He was going over the front of his yard with this thing, and it was just pulling him everywhere. But I was wondering what he was doing, and I went over to him, knowing his yard looked way better than my yard. I said, what are you doing? He said, this is a thing that thatches, and it, it, breaks, up, it breaks up the ground. And I said, wow, I probably should do that. My yard might look, start more, looking more like yours. He goes, I rented it full, for a full day. And he goes, you can use it for the second half. I said, I'll split it with you. And we, we ended up splitting it. And that thing just took me around. I'm, I think my yard got better last year. And plus, there's a guy that comes out four times and he sprays this stuff on it. This year, I watched my neighbor next door. He was putting this stuff out on the ground with a spreader. I went over to him. I said, what are you doing that, that I'm not doing? Because your yard's better than my yard. And I'm just, mine's getting better. But what, and he told me what he did. He put this pre-emergent thing down or whatever. And this, this fungus type thing stuff. I don't know what it was. He told me he got it in Lyons. I immediately, that afternoon, I drove over to Lyons. I got me some. I don't know what it is, but I brought it back. I put it in. I was just guessing and I was just putting that on but it takes effort it takes work to cultivate good soil and the same is true it takes effort and work to cultivate a determined devotion to God the, the psalmist also said in, in verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 1 blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. When we spend time in the word, when, when we spend time daily with him, when we spend time with God, it's cultivating. It, it's like streams. It's like, it's like if we're spending time in here, it's like we're, the psalmist says, it's like we're living next to the water and the water's given us Nourishment and it's helping us to grow. But when we when we're not in the Word, when we're not you know getting uh, applying God's Word to our life, when we're not taking time to memorize some Scripture, we're not spending daily time with Him. It's like trying to cultivate a relationship with God in the desert, and it's dry. This is our water. 
This is our bread, as Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, and Jesus is the word of life. No word is like living next in the, in the desert. Third thing is cultivating a mind and habits that are ruthless with distractions. That's that soil of the rocky soil, I believe it was, where there's just a lot of different distractions that are going on. Cultivating a mind and habits that are ruthless with distractions. Friends, there's, there's nothing wrong with pursuits of things in this life. There's, there's nothing wrong with having ambition. There's nothing wrong with having money. We need money to live and eat, and we need money to have a roof over our head. It's not that money's the root of evil. It's the love of money is the root of evil. It's when anything becomes excessive, and the enemy will use good things to distract us. If he can't make us bad, he'll make us good. And if he can't fill our, our hearts and minds up with bad things, he'll just fill us up with so much good stuff that that becomes a distraction that keeps us from keeping him first. So how do we cultivate a mind and habits that are ruthless with distractions? We all have distractions every day. So some ways that we can fight those distractions is the first principle. Everything, God first. It's starting, it's what, doing what you're doing today. It's starting your week with God. Together in corporate worship, gathering with the church of God. That is giving to God first. It's so much easier. You could do something else with your day today. There's something else you could do with your morning. I remember when I first went to college and my parents didn't tell me to get up and had to go to church anymore, it got a little more difficult. And on days that it snowed or it rained, it got even more difficult. I remember when Heather and I were first were married in Independence, Kansas, and we loved our pastor, we loved our church. But on days that it rained, it was just easy not to go. And on days that it snowed, it was like, this is a good, I mean, we, in our married, early married days, that was, we grew up in the church. Heather and I grew up in the church. But there were some times our early married life that we really liked Bedside Baptist. I mean, it was, it was just kind of convenient and easy and we enjoyed it. But give God the first day of your week. And this is the principle of, of first, of giving God your time, giving him your first. Also, giving God the first and best of your every day. Starting each day with God. I, I encourage you, start somewhere. To begin to form a, a, a good habit. Uh, start with five minutes. Start with 10 minutes, but start your day with God. I find that if I don't start my day with God, it just works out this way. I said, God, I'm gonna get to you later. Uh, I got a busy day, I got this. God gets squeezed out all day long when I don't start with him. When I don't begin my day with him, he gets squeezed out of the picture. Give your first and your best of your day to him. It helps you cultivate that re relationship with him. And uh when we don't have that daily time with him, I mean, you wouldn't think of going a day without eating. You might miss a meal, but most of the time you're gonna get three or four or five or six meals, whatever, whatever it is. You, you, you wouldn't think of going a day without eating, and yet we can go days and weeks without feeding on the word of God. That's, that's what feeds our soul. That's what feeds our, our spirit, our spiritual life. Our relationship is being a relationship with, with God. And we all go through slumps. Even if you're, sometimes you're in that daily routine and you go through slumps, you don't feel close to God or you feel like, man, God, I'm trying to draw close to you, but it doesn't feel like you're very close to, you know, baseball's getting ready to start. Last time I checked, a baseball player was good 
considered great if he got a hit three out of ten times when he batted 300. And that's because no matter what, a batter keeps swinging because he doesn't have a chance if he doesn't keep swinging. Friends, even when it feels like you may be in a slump, keep swinging in your relationship with God. And I believe it'll pay off. The, the third way of, in those things of cultivating habits is giving uh, the best and first of our wealth to God. Giving to God first. This is another first principle. When we give to God first, it does several things for us. Number one, it breaks the grip of materialism. By putting God first at the top and saying, God, I'm going to give to you first. Not my leftovers, but my first. It, it, it says, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to begin with you. It also, it not only breaks the grip of materialism or helps break the grip of materialism. It tells God, I trust you. I trust you. you. You are my provider. You're the one that I trust in. You're the one that is going to take care of me. I'm trusting you. And it also says, God, you're first. You get the first, not the last. And I'm so thankful today, God doesn't give us his leftovers. God gives us his first. He gives us his best. Today, am I giving the first and best of my week, my day, and my wealth to God? That'd be a question for us. Or am I giving my leftovers? This is a point where if I was in the classroom and I was Heather, I would say, class, class. And you would say, yes, yes. Our answer, may it, Lord, may it be yes. Moving on, if you will hear and accept the word, if you'll hear and accept the word and persevere in cultivating the soil of your soul, you will produce fruit. If we'll hear and accept. The Pharisees heard but there's a difference between really hearing. I, in my daily Bible app devotional today, the person that was given the devotional was talking about when he went to his kids and he would say to them, uh, did you hear me about cleaning the room? Did you hear me? They knew that he wasn't asking, did you hear what I said? They, he was asking, are you gonna do what I asked? They knew what he meant. In the same way, James one twenty two, uh, the half-brother of Jesus said this, do not merely be listeners of the word and deceive yourself, but do what it says. Say yes to what it says. We're just deceiving ourselves if we read the word, but we don't act on the word or we're not applying the word. Don't be merely listeners of the word and deceive yourself. Do what it said. If you want to go deep, I know some, sometimes people go, I want to go, I just want to grow deeper. I want to grow deeper in the word. If you want to grow deeper in the word, we do the word. That's how we grow deep, is we grow deeper in doing of the word. A mark of a maturing Christian is perseverance. In our uh, pastoral staff meetings earlier this year, I, we were just thinking about what are key words that we as a team need to focus on this year. What are some things that we need to focus on? Not, not even for our church, maybe yes for our church, but what do we need to focus on? And there are three words, and they just, I liked it because we just kind of kept going with the, the P. It started everything with P. Number one, we said, we, we need to be praying. This is, if there's, there's ever a day and a time that we need to be in prayer, today's the day that we need to be in prayer. We talked about passion. That, you know, it's easy in all the discouragement and the things going on in our world, it's easy to get discouraged, but we need to find a way to stay passionate for Jesus. And the, maybe the most important word, was the next one, persevere. That we need to persevere. 
We need to stick with it. We need to stay with it. We need not give up, but we need to persevere because a mark of maturing Christians is perseverance. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I know that's an odd thing to think of when we first think of it. We go, why would I be joyful about facing trials? James tells us why. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's God's plan for us to mature is to go through trials. Not because he causes them, but he allows them to so that we would persevere and that is the mark of maturity. We grow not when we're on the mountaintop. We grow the best when we're in the valley. We grow the best when we're, when we're, when we're down in, 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 in the valley, not on the mountaintop. Can I just encourage you for a moment? You should be saying yes. Please encourage me for a moment. Let me, let me hope to encourage you with this. Can I first remind you that that, we, that what we studied in chapter 1, that John the Baptist, where was he preparing the way for Jesus? Where was he coming to make the, 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 the crooked path straight and the rough places smooth? Where was John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus? He was in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. And where did Jesus launch his ministry? Before he launched his ministry that would change the world and change life for you and me, where did he start? Where did it begin? He was in the wilderness. For 40 days, he was in the wilderness. John, preparing the way for Jesus, was in the wilderness. Friends, God does some of his best work in the wilderness. And you may be in the wilderness today, relationally, you know, physically, emotionally, financially. You may be in the wilderness today, but I want to tell you, if you'll stay persevering with God, God does some of his best work in the wilderness. I look back, and I don't want to go back to some of those times in the wilderness, but where I had some of the greatest growth, spiritual growth in my life, was going through the wilderness. In fact, we have a picture in our, in our living room. And if you come into our living room and look to the right on your way to the bathroom, you're going to see a picture of Jesus in the wilderness. Heather and I, probably the most expensive art. We're not really big into buying art and spending lots of money. My mom and dad bought a nice Thomas Kincaid for us one time. I think it's in the closet somewhere. I mean, so we're not real, we're not real artsy. But we were going through a hard time and we went into a Christian bookstore and we saw Jesus in the wilderness and it was like $250, $300. We didn't have $250, $300. We were just beginning in ministry. And we know what? We both said, we got to have that on our wall because it's a reminder to us that Jesus did his work. It began in the wilderness. And friends, don't waste your wilderness. Don't waste the wilderness that God has you in. And it may not, I shouldn't say that. I rephrase that. God doesn't have you in it. It's a broken world that we're in. It's not him, but he's allowing you to go through the wilderness. Sometimes we pray, God, just deliver me from the wilderness. And I, I would still pray that prayer. I would continue to pray that prayer. But in the meantime, while you're in the wilderness, God, God what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn from this? Help me to grow from this. Because Christian perseverance results in maturity and fruit. It results in maturity and fruit. It results in what 
that Paul in Galatians writes what the fruit is and it's good things it's sweet tasting things love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control they're sweet tasting fruit but that sweet tasting fruit of love joy peace patience kind that's not developed on the mountaintop it's developed in the wilderness it's developed through perseverance think about the person in your life who's the sweetest christian you know can you just think about that someone's coming to your mind think about the sweetest christian influence in your life that you know nod at me if you got someone in your head got someone in your head sweetest kindest you just they have the love joy peace patience kindness i think of my dad and my mom this morning they didn't get there all at once friends it was perseverance and patience it was hard times that helped them develop the people that they are and we don't have to get old to develop the fruit of the spirit we can be young and have the fruit of the spirit we can be old and be prunes and we can also be old and be sweet age has nothing to do with christian maturity it's what god's doing in us but you don't it be patient with yourself and be patient with others because christian maturity takes time if you ever uh, have get frustrated with me and think man our pastor needs help i'll be the first to say your pastor needs help if you ever have had the thought, boy, the pastor, one day, maybe he'll grow up a little bit. Maybe he won't talk about sports so much. Maybe he'll grow up. It, it, just know this. Be patient with yourself and be patient with others because Christian maturity takes time. It takes cultivating. It takes, it takes allowing God to work in us and through us. And then for the sake of time today, let me just share a couple more things. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Watch your life and doctrine close closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You may be going through the wilderness today, but friends, that wilderness isn't just for you. It could be preparing the way for others. In a couple weeks, I'm going to tell you about my grandpa's wilderness and how his wilderness prepared the way for the rest of our family because he didn't waste his wilderness. And I got a couple more points here today, and I don't have time to give them. So if you want them, you can come see me afterwards, or I can email you this week. But I'm going to stick to my commitment that we're going to just trust that God has worked in what has already been said today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for, first of all, your persevering patience with us. You're so kind and long-suffering. You love us just the way that we are. You love us too much to leave us there. God, you're doing a work in us. If we will have ears to hear and if we'll listen to what you want to tell us and what you want to say to us, God, you're going to help us to become who you want us to be. We claim your word today that says that he who started a good work in us is faithful and he will complete that work that he began in us. I also pray today, Lord, for the person who that work hasn't started, that they would receive by faith your love and your forgiveness. 
knowing that you want to do great things through us, but you can't do great things through us until you've done something great in us. So do a new work within us. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, if there's things as we're maturing in our walk with the Lord that we need to let go of, God, we give you our bitterness today. We repent of our, 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 uh, our anger. We, rep- we repent of our jealousy. We repent of things in our life, Lord, that are not pleasing to you. And we thank you, Lord, that in your mercy and your grace, you forgive us. Lord, we love you today. Help us, Lord, to apply your word to our hearts. Help our answer today to be yes in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand with us this morning? And before you leave, say hi to three people, uh, two of them that you don't know and one that you do know. How's that sound? We'll see you next Sunday.